welcome back to another edition of the Acacia Covered Podcast brought to you by Capital Federal Savings and Loan, our title sponsor. This is, once again, Brent Maycock, along with my colleagues Ricky Peterson, Mac Moore, and Scott Pask, here to bring you another edition of our High School Sports Podcast. And it is now postseason. It is here. Uh, we are ready for to crown our first state champions of the fall sports season this weekend and early next week as both state tennis and state golf will be contested over the next several days. Uh, state tennis starting Friday and Saturday and then state golf being held next Monday and Tuesday. And we'll, we'll start off with some state tennis as uh, it's the first one to be held. Your Class 6A state championship will be held at Junction City. They have some new courts out there at the at the new high school. It's supposed to be a very nice complex out there. And so the, for the first time, Junction City will host state tennis with Class 6A going there. Class 5A will be in Salina at their new tennis tennis facility, which I hear is very, very nice as well. It's out by the Expo or used to be the Expo, not the Expo Center, the Tony's Pizza Event Center used to be the Bicentennial Center, um, but a uh, brand new f- tennis facility out there in uh, Salina. Class 4A will be down in Winfield, and then Class 3A will be a crossover tennis center in Topeka. And we'll start in Class 6A, and Mac, you, uh, you, you'll be out at the Class 6A state tournament, and typically if you go into a 6A state tournament, there's going to be girls from your area that are the heavy favorites to win, and I believe that's probably the case again this year uh, for 6A out in Junction City. Yeah, and I, I'd say that it, this one's uh, probably same old in that regard, but uh, in terms of uh, who's the favorite and, and kind of going in, I think in, in the last few years we kind of had a pretty good idea on what we thought was going to happen, and if you were to uh, just pick the favorite, you would have done pretty well. Uh, this year might uh, end up being a little bit uh, harder to, to, to figure out. I mean, it's still obviously Shawnee Mission East or Bus. They're still in position to uh, keep building on that that four peat and, and keep it going. They have right now what looks to be the uh, doubles favorite uh, with with uh, Abigail Long and Katie Schmidt. Uh, no surprise there. They're twenty one and one on the year. The one loss uh, uh, outside of the state of Kansas. They uh, are right now primed. Uh, you know they were runner up three times in a row facing their teammates, uh, Bryson Langford and, and Greta Steckschulte last uh, three years. So uh, they're ready to finish their senior years with that. And they, you know, for already really accomplished tennis players, they had a great time finally winning the Sunflower League doubles champs, finally winning regional champs, and now they're ready to, to, to pull that off. But uh, definitely won't be easy. A lot of good teams, uh, their uh, secondary doubles, Shawnee Mission East, still able to uh, hit strong in, in both spots. Uh, Ellie McDermott and Katie Murphy, uh, they were third in their regional, uh, and you have from Blue Valley Northwest, uh, the Wombie sisters, uh, they've been doing uh, really well. They have uh, state experience over the last couple of years. So uh, you, you have a, a really good group there. And then when you're looking at kind of the, the team race, I think one that I probably would have thrown in as a good challenger to Shawnee Mission East would have been Olathe Northwest. Uh, they have Ella Novian, who uh, right now, 
you know, she's 30 and three. She wins her regional. Uh, she's had a really great year. She's another one of those that, you know, you keep kind of going up against the buzzsaw of the top uh, 6A singles competitors, and it's it's sharpened her. She's getting better every year. Uh, for the doubles, they had the top two in their regional. Uh, Hannah Carney and Riley Terhune uh, end up winning uh there against their teammates Cameron Medina and uh Samantha Van Zant. So uh they had everybody didn't get that second singles player in. So that would probably be the biggest concern. Um but a, another team that you know is looking really good and looking like they might end up having uh, the 6A singles champ is Blue Valley West, which uh, it's interesting. It looks very similar to what the boys team did uh, this last spring to to win it and to, to knock off Shawnee Mission East. Uh, you have uh, Sarah Yan as a 26-1 singles uh, star right now. She's a senior, but this is her first year uh, playing. She was out, uh, did a story where we talked about uh, her competing in USTA, uh, a couple of her Blue Valley West classmates convinced her uh, to to join the team. Uh, she said she had kind of planned on it and she thought about it in previous years, but this one had just kind of all matched up and it matched up perfectly to help push Blue Valley West over the top. Uh, they also have uh, Dominique Pitchlin. Uh, she goes fourth in, in her regional back behind uh, two of Shawnee Mission East uh, singles players, uh, Isha Bavazar and uh, Macy Garwood. So uh, you have that group right there. That top regional uh, might be a pretty good indication of, uh, you know, how the the team race is going to play out at state who can kind of slide ahead and stay in i expect sarian to go pretty deep uh into the the tournament i expect her to win it uh if she can have her teammate uh pitchlin right there with her uh all of a sudden you're starting to get those points and for uh doubles uh they also have uh a doubles team of jay kumar and musti uh as they're 14 and 6 they took fourth uh, in, in that regional, uh, at Shawnee Mission East. So of those groups, you, you got a lot of talent. And I think the biggest separator is only Shawnee Mission East got those six competitors in Blue Valley West, uh, got three entries. Uh, you got the, uh, the Olathe Northwest with the, the same, uh, situation. Uh, the only other one from my area that got six in is actually Mill Valley, which is competing in six A after uh, being in five A last year, and they got a, a a really good team. But it'll be difficult. They'll really need uh, to push further uh, than you know uh, their star uh, Heidi uh, Blales. Uh, she was. Uh, really good last year as a freshman and she's still really good this year. And she, uh, ends up taking second in a regional behind Elenovian. But, uh, you know, she, last year she looked to be a really top competitor and ends up getting knocked off in the first round, sent to the backside of the bracket, uh, wins one match before getting eliminated. Uh, she'll need that deep run. And then she'll also need her, her teammates to, to, to go with her for them to try to get themselves in the team race. But, uh, they have a pretty decent, uh, shot as well, but 
yeah, I think where last year you kind of went in and it was like something crazy will have to happen to make it where it's not Shawnee Mission East taking home another state title. Now there are two or three teams just from my area that have enough firepower to, to get themselves in there. And so it'll really depend on how not the top teams for, for, for each of those, uh, but how those, you know, number two singles, number two doubles, how far can they get? How many points can they get? Because it, it could be a very close race uh, this year. So uh, that's what I have for my area in 6A. And if anybody wants to jump in and tell me about a few of their stars that might shake up the, the race in 6A, jump in. Yeah, I've got, uh, you know, Washburn Rural's another team that qualified its entire squad uh, and, and would look on paper to maybe have a shot at uh, maybe pushing to make a top three appearance this year. Um, one of their players, though, their singles player, um, that uh, they got Carolina Chedzoy. She was a regional champion, but their second singles qualifier, Mina DiMarzio, actually broke a bone in her leg during regional play. Um, and so she ended up having to default out at regionals, and she won't be available to play at state. So that that hurts Washburn Rural and their chances. But Chedzoy has been a newcomer this year to Washburn Rural that's had a very nice season, 19-8, and eight, uh, played a lot of good players, and then suffered you know losses to some of the girls we'll talk about uh, Coming up later in 5A, but uh, rural doubles teams of Claire Ireland, Gabby Martinez, and then Emery Catlin and Isabel Haggard. They've kind of gone back and forth as to which one's been the the better team this year. They've they've kind of flipped flipped roles uh, throughout the year. Uh, Haggard and Catlin, I think, actually beat Martinez and Ireland at league a few weeks ago. And so, um, you know, those two, if they can get a deep run, and then Chedzoy can get a get a nice run, uh, depending on how the bracket sets up for her. Rural could be a team that challenges for the top three. But I, I just think that uh, Shawnee Mission East, Olathe Northwest, and Blue Valley West really have the horses to kind of kind of make that a three-team race with Shawnee Mission East, the kind of the secretariat of the group uh, compared to the other two. And so, um, you know, and obviously singles, Mac, uh, the defending state champion, Kinley Van Pelt, didn't play this year with an injury, so that kind of leaves the singles wide open uh, this year. You know, she was an undefeated state champion last year, hurt this year, which has been kind of uh, a bugaboo for her throughout her high school career. So it'll be interesting to see how the singles plays out. I agree with you. I think Yan's the favorite to win it. But Novion's a very experienced player, has has, has fared well at state in the past few years. And I, I think if you get a Yan-Novion final, I think that'll be a, a great a great finals. And then, you know, Ricky and, and Scott, there's that Western Regional. It, it seems like they're always kind of battling to see if they can they can make some headway against the, the Metropolitan KC area and, and, and even the, and over in Topeka, uh, you know, is there anybody that, that comes out of that regional that jumps out at you as maybe maybe we can buck the trend and and uh, and strike a blow for the the Wichita slash Western part of the state? Yeah, I mean, I think that that the answer to that question is pretty hard to find. I mean, it's it's always been a challenge for that Western regional to crack through and and, and be on the winner's bracket uh, side on day two. And and it, I, I imagine that challenge will still be great this year. But uh, you know, last week out at Liberal uh, in regional, it, it was a pretty efficient day for Wichita Northwest. Uh, uh, senior Elena Alvarez uh, wins a singles title out there, uh, avenges a loss to, to Garden City's uh, Quincy Naninga in the final there and a good three-setter. So she goes in as a regional champion, and then and then the Grizzlies also get a doubles championship uh, uh, out of the Cam Stubbs and, and Kiana Sparks, and, and they go in with a 19-3 record. Um, you know, so 
a, a good record. I don't know, you know, that that's probably the the team that that caught my eye out of out of regional week uh, was Wichita Northwest in six A. Uh, whether those, you know, that trio of Grizzlies can can break through and, and get to day two on the winter side, uh, you know, I, that that remains to be seen. But but uh, anyway, some good momentum for Northwest going into state. Yeah, I, I agree with Scott. You know, it's hard to imagine somebody from out west closing that gap and and contending for titles. But I do want I do want to say uh, shout out to Garden City. They've had they've had a really strong year. Uh, they put two singles players in the field: Quincy Naninga and uh, Danica Gallia. And then uh, um, a pair of doubles teams also made it: in Jocelyn Kennedy and, and Chloe Potastic and Sophia Medillo and Courtney Neeland. So you know whether or not they whether or not they contend or not at state um you know it's been a really really good year and uh you know i'll touch on this a little bit later but you know a really really solid year for western kansas tennis and and uh, you know i think we'll see a few girls stick around and make their make their presence felt this year um you know in in 6a and also in 3 3 2 1a yeah, and then, you know, you move down to Class 5A and where we talk about Wichita and Western Kansas, you know, having struggles in 6A, 5A, it's kind of the complete opposite. Wichita area, in particular, uh, probably the dominant area in f- Class 5A state tennis uh, here recently, especially with Andover on its uh, on its great run. But then you also talk about Capon and Bishop Carroll have had, have had, had their time here recently as well. But, Scott, uh, you know, what where – where they can't make headway in 6A, in 5A, that's this is where the powers that be reside in, in, in Wichita area. Yeah, really, and it starts with Andover. They're, they're just on a tremendous run right now. Uh, uh, two straight 5A titles and, and brought back everybody off last year's team, and, and all six of those players roll into uh, roll into state up at Salina, and, and uh, so they'll go for a three-peat. Uh, it's kind of, I think, the question out of for the Trojans is, is will this be the year for – for uh, seniors Brooke Walker and Anna Jittaway to win a state title, they've they've been three-time state placers, finished third each of the last two years, and and uh, come in with come in with lofty credentials. Both players have won over a hundred career matches. Uh, they're a very good tandem, good multi-sport athletes. Uh, you know, I think they probably come in as the favorite, although that way that will not be an easy uh, easy road to to get uh, uh, you know to get through and win the championship. Um, you know, I think looking over at singles, uh, Carol Bryn Steven comes, Bishop Carol's Bryn Steven comes in, uh, probably is the favorite, although I think that singles bracket uh, has a has a, a chance to be just tremendous. Um, you know, Bryn is Bryn's 25 and 0 this year. So she's got she's she's got that going for her, 95 career singles victories, um, you know, one last year with a record of 25 and two and and uh, uh there's a three-time state placer. She's been in the finals twice with a one-and-one one uh, record in, in the 5A championship matches. So, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that, that bracket. And, and I know, uh, Brett, you could speak to some of the players in your area that have, that have kind of added to the depth in, in 5A singles. Uh, but I, I think what really caught my eye, Salina Central is an outstanding team. They've kind of been overshadowed by, uh, by Andover in ABC, ABCTL Division Two. Uh, but but you're looking at Janae Montoya, senior at Salina Central, who finished third last year, uh, came into state I think with a 28 and one record and and uh, finished the season with two losses. Uh, she, you know, she ends up as the eight seed going into the singles bracket uh, on Friday, and I think that kind of speaks to the depth of what we've got here because Montoya, uh, 
defeated uh, Steven last year uh, during the regular season. So uh, it looks like there's a very deep uh, pool in, in 5A singles. And I know, like I said, Brent, you could probably speak to, to some of those who've risen up and, and entered that uh, entered that fray. Yeah, I definitely have a handful from my area. The, uh, the two that really jump out in singles play, Jetta uh, Gleisnop from uh, Shawnee Heights via Berlin, uh, Germ- a German foreign exchange student. We've seen uh, foreign exchange students come and have great success at the uh, at the state tournament. I remember Seaman had a boys player a couple years ago that ended up winning the state uh, state championship in Class Five A, uh, uh, and so you know we've seen that. And yet has come over and, and had a great season. She's thirty three and two, and uh, and has really played uh, a pretty good schedule. And her, you know, her two losses are, are good losses. You got a girl from Olathe West that she lost to early in the season, and then uh, you know she had one other loss that came to Sarion. So I mean, her losses are, are quality quality opponents there. And so I think you know she's somebody that not not a lot of people know about just because she's new to uh, the Kansas scene this year. But you know she's somebody that I think really has a shot at maybe uh, maybe kind of being that surprise player at state this year and really uh, really being a factor. And then the other one uh, is Callie Keogh, a sophomore from Emporia. Um, talked to her the other night, and, and she's uh, featured in our state tennis storylines that are already up on our website. Those went up this morning. Um, and she battled tendonitis in her arm, right arm, all last year. And this year she's she's kind of been a little bit pain-free and said it's kind of allowed her to go out and play with a free mind. And it's shown. She's, uh, she won the Centennial League title uh, with, you know, had had some good quality players, including the Chedzoid girl from Washburn Herrera, who was a regional champion in 6A. And then she goes out and wins regionals last week and beats Montoya. And so that that right there opens opens your eyes that when you go out and beat uh, Montoya, who's a very solid player and uh, uh, certainly somebody capable of winning a state championship this weekend that puts Callie Keogh in the conversation for for state title this year as well and her losses are also really good losses to us uh, to some really quality players this year she's 23 and 7 going into state but you know she's somebody that could be a factor if she gets on a roll down at state and and uh you know being having you know Montoya now not on the same side of the bracket. Uh, you know she's probably I think she's the four seed going in, so she's going to have to contend with Bryn Steven, um, which is going to be the the ultimate challenge for anybody in this singles draw. But you know Mont- uh, Keo and, and Glacenop are two uh, two singles players that definitely have a shot at making some noise. And then on the double side, uh, really uh, Katie Crummins and Molly Gorman have had a great year for Topeka Seaman. Uh, they were the city champions. They won the UKC title for the second straight year. In winning the city title, they beat the defending 4A champions from Hayden, uh, Lauren Sandstrom, and Emily Sheets. And so uh, they've, they've had a really good season, and they're they're a team that can go out and, and maybe make some noise in doubles at state. But I, I the, as deep as the singles is, I think doubles is extremely deep too, especially with uh, Andover in the Salina Centrals, both going 1-2 at their regionals. I think those those teams are, uh, are going to be really tough to beat. But, you know, Siemens got – Got a contender, Shawnee Heights, and Poria has a contender, and then there's there's some that came out of that Kansas City regional that also uh, also will be contenders. Yeah, and uh, you know you're talking about the the singles bracket, and you know Keo having a chance, and I'd say circle uh, that uh, that K matchup on the bracket circle. Uh, the potential of uh, Keo going up against Jensen Gibbs of Blue Valley Southwest. Uh, She's only lost twice this year, 
Both were to Sarah Yan. Uh, she's playing tremendous tennis right now. Uh, a junior that just keeps getting better every year. So uh, that's definitely one that I have as a dark horse candidate. To, if not, uh, you know, maybe not be able to win. It's going to be very difficult for anybody to knock off Prince Stephen. But uh, if you're talking about making that deep run and making it into the finals, uh, that's going to be a very tough on either side of the bracket to, to make it through. Uh, looking at as a as a team, uh, St. James Academy uh, is bringing in a pretty good uh, state contingent this year. They end up winning uh, their regional out of DeSoto, uh, and they're led their top uh, doubles team of Holly uh, County and Carolyn commits. Uh, right now, uh, 21 and 10 on the year, they've uh, end up winning that doubles uh, regional title. And, you know, last year, uh was holly county's first year playing tennis uh she ends up making it uh with uh a different uh teammate frankie book uh and they they go eighth uh at, re at state last year and you know just every tournament she just keeps improving she's just got that natural ability that you know is is just picking up and you know her coach is telling me this story of uh you know that last year they had won a golden set they had not dropped a single point and holly actually didn't know what that was at that time because there was a lot of tennis terms she was still trying to familiarize herself with so uh when you're looking at one that's playing that well uh and and going into a, a state tournament and and that team has uh you know all all six players all four entries uh it's going to be very interesting to to see if they can uh you know start getting there they haven't had that proven success at state yet uh but a great season and great regional performance makes me uh think that they might end up being able to string together some wins and and start moving up that team leaderboard and uh, Ricky will be at the Class 5A state tournament in Salina. The Class 4A state tournament will be held down at Winfield, where Scott will be stationed at this weekend. And and uh, I'll go ahead and start off with the conversation in, in 4A because I have the defending champion. Uh, it, last year it was a clean sweep for Hayden. They won the, the team title, the singles title, and the doubles title. Uh, this year... Um, might take a little bit uh, different look. Uh, the doubles team of Lauren Stanstrom and Emily Sheets is back uh, to defend their state title. They've had a very good season uh, this year. They've gone 29 and three, which is the best best record in the doubles draw. Um, and they've they've gone out. Uh, you know, they lost at the city tournament in a three setter to uh, to the Seaman team of of Crummins and Gorman. But they've come back and they won the won the league title, won regional title, and really look like they're in position to win a doubles title this year. Although there, there's some good doubles teams out there. Uh, Mac has a couple over in Independence that are strong. Wellington has some good. McPherson, and if you look at them, a lot of a lot of sister acts here. We got uh, uh, that that'll be challenging the Sandstrom and Sheets. So uh, if Emily and Lauren can act like act like sisters and maybe be the best sister tandem out there, uh, it'll be that uh, they, they can come out on top again. But I'll let I'll let those guys talk about the, the doubles here in a second. But on the single side, 
uh, much like 6A, where we should have had a returning state champion, but we didn't. Uh, Hayden's Ainsley, Ainsley Zulueta looked like she was on her way to winning four straight titles after winning as a freshman and sophomore. Uh, she spent the winter um, practicing and, and playing down in an academy in Texas, and when she came back, she wasn't eligible to play for Hayden this year. And so she sat out and is the best uh, manager, best tennis playing manager in the state this year. But unfortunately, she can't go after that third straight singles title. So that leaves that open. And the player that I think is ready to, to walk through that door is Alyssa Freeze from Chapman, who was runner-up to, to uh, Zulueta last year in the state championship. Actually took a 2-0 lead in the championship match last year before Zulueta came back and beat her in straight sets. But Alyssa Freeze, 25-1 and this year. Her only loss is to Shea Kramer, who's one of the top players in Class 3-2-1A. And Freeze hit her 100th career win at regionals and is has kind of just stair-stepped up. And, and she's had great seasons and then kind of fallen short. She's uh, been undefeated in the regular season three times and then uh, ended up losing either in regionals or at state, uh, suffering those first loss in the, in the postseason as a sophomore and, or as a freshman and junior. She suffered her first loss in uh, regionals, and as a, as a sophomore, she lost her first match at state. So Alyssa Fries has kind of stair-stepped up and looks like she's somebody that's going to challenge for a state title. But, again, it's not going to be easy. There's a number of, number of quality players out there to challenge. And uh, the team title, you know, Hayden – they they got they got quite a bit through. They got two singles players through and two doubles teams through. But I think if I look at it and do the math and kind of figure things out, the team that looks like the favorite on paper to me would be Independence. And Mac, I would think you might agree with that. Yeah, I mean they they have a really good team this year. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned the sister acts. They have Hannah Kippenberger and Elizabeth Kippenberger, twenty seven and three this year. They're having a, a, a great year, and they already have uh, a lot of of state experience uh, right behind them. You know they they end up winning their regional title uh against their teammates which has been a trend for independence uh for the last four years uh it has been a two independence doubles teams facing off in their regional finals and in i think three of the last four years they've same thing happened in in singles uh but uh the week before at the SEK championships, it was actually uh, Brooklyn Maddox and Callie uh, Schlorholtz who won in the final. They beat the Kippenbergers. And then this time they go up and in a three-hour, three-set grueling duel, uh, the Kippenbergers get the victory this time, uh, but both have a shot of making a deep run uh, in this 4A doubles bracket. And then on the singles side, when you add in Ava Morris, uh, who's 28-3 this year, uh, you look at her losses, and I believe they're all against uh, upper class uh, against bigger class opponents. Uh, she has one that's uh, against Bryn Steven, uh, one uh, against uh, Judkins of, of Capen, uh, and then one against Maggie Harrison uh, of Mays South. Uh, but, you know, the, the 
resume she has is really good. Another one that has that state experience looking to build off it from last year. And the only thing that's maybe uh, going to potentially hurt them a little bit, they didn't get that number two uh, singles. We were talking about Sister Act. Well, uh, out the door was last year's runner-up, Abby Vale, and they were hoping her little sister, freshman Sarah Vale, was going to uh, end up uh, taking over she barely misses out, doesn't end up getting into that uh, state qualifier. Uh, so uh, missing that, but otherwise stacked uh, top to bottom. Two great doubles teams and a really talented singles competitor. So independence definitely, uh, and, and they just keep moving forward. Last year was that runner-up. Nobody was going to knock off Hayden there, but this year with that door open, the Bulldogs are hoping to get their first title since 2014. Yeah, down here in the Wichita area. Well, first of all, Alyssa Freeze, you mentioned her from Chapman, Brenton. You know, some athletes that you cover, it seems like they've been in high school or they've been in college for like six years. I think we're at that point with Alyssa. I mean, she just seems like she's been around forever. And, and uh, uh, you know, I know it is her senior year, and, and she's an outstanding kid, uh, great to talk to, and has been just a really good athlete in multiple sports. And and uh, so I think she brings in a, a you know, Maybe that that's that slight favorite edge, I guess, going into into four A singles. If there's anybody from the Wichita area that could give her, uh, you know, maybe a possible run, it'd be Sophie Majors from Wichita Trinity, uh, senior who finished second in doubles last year uh, to the Hayden pair, and and she's she's playing singles this year. The record is just twenty three and nine, but but as Mac mentioned, a lot of uh, upper class, uh, higher class competition. Uh, runs into the collegiate kit, Wichita Collegiate, uh, you know, the Lara de Carvajals from, from Collegiate uh, a couple times. And, and so her record isn't real glossy, but but certainly has the, the pedigree to, to maybe uh, uh, make a run in, in the 4A singles. And uh, she avenged a loss to, to Winfield sophomore Sophie Hager in the semifinals at regionals out at uh, Scott City. Uh, went on to to uh, defeat Pratt's Bailey Jackson in the final. So, so Sophie comes in as a, as a regional champion. Uh, you know, you, you talk about teams that might be able to 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 give Hayden a run, and, and McPherson brings in a full contingent of of six players uh, for the tournament this year, and and uh, uh, Riggs Kuhn and, and Brody Kuhn, another one of those sister acts, will will be playing uh, in the doubles bracket after winning the regional title uh, at Bueller, and and uh, Brody is uh, an interesting story, and in that she'll also be playing in the 4A golf tournament uh, for the second straight year. Last year, she finished third with Riggs in, in, in uh, doubles at, in 4A, uh, then finished as a top 20 medalist at, at the state golf. So uh, good good multi-sport athlete in the same season uh, in Brody Kuhn. And, and McPherson just always has a really solid team. And, and this year, uh, they come in with, with, with six entries for, for the 4A tournament. So that's Class 4A. It'll be held down in Wichita. And then Class 3A will be held in Topeka, and I will be there. And uh, we'll go back to Scott because when you talk about Class 3A tennis, it kind of always starts and ends with Wichita Collegiate. And Scott, a lot of new faces uh, with Collegiate this year, but a lot of the same old results. Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, the first year that uh, Dave Hawley isn't driving the van up to, to a state tournament. First year uh, in, in over 30-some years, uh, or almost 40-some years of doing that. Uh, he retired from high school coaching last year. 
they, they found a pretty good replacement, I would say. Simon Norman had a lot of success at Wichita Independent, uh, won eight state titles between girls and boys, and, and I had a chance to spend practice, spend a day at their practice the other day, just kind of watching him teach. And I, just a, a magnificent teacher, and he's got, he's got great pupils. Uh, again, they'll, they'll come in with, uh, they'll come into state with, with six players and, and three newcomers. Uh, the returners include Laney Conrad and, and Julia Herman. Uh, the reigning three two one eight doubles champions from last year, that that group has another year under their belt and and uh, just really work well together. Very solid tandem, and they come in as the top seed. And, you know they're twenty six and three this year. Uh, really good players. Herman's very tall and lanky, makes it very tough to to hit over uh, over her at the net. Uh, Con- and Conrad's a great net player too. Though when those two can come in, they are really uh, really solid in that respect. They defeated their teammates, uh, juniors Tatum Downing and, and Langley Overman, in the in the regional final at Conway Springs. And and uh, uh, Coach Norman told me that they basically had three players going for that second double spot most of the season, and an injury kind of opened the door for for Downing and, and Overman to to emerge. And they come in uh, as first time state qualifiers at thirteen and five. And then on the uh, the single side for collegiate, uh, they come in with with uh, two time regional champion Larry DeCarvajo who's uh, um, last year came ended up being the top seed in the singles bracket after defeating eventual champion Emma Montavani, her teammate, uh, by injury default at the, at the regional. Uh, Lara played last year as a freshman for the first time. Had kind of a rough go. And, uh, you know, Brent, I know you can mention a couple of the, the players that got her at state. Uh, Lara finished sixth. Maybe a little bit of a disappointment, uh, but, but I talked to her the other day. Uh, I think – you know, she now kind of says, "I know what to expect," and and uh, uh, you know that 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 state that state those state butterflies are out of the way after last year, and and she comes in with a lot of momentum. Twenty one and four, she defeated a really good senior from Conway Springs, Haley Osner, in the in the Conway Springs uh, uh, regional final. So uh, she comes in as regional champion. Larned's Abigail Holt is back uh, as a regional champion and, and uh, looking to do some big things her senior year. But, uh, yeah, Collegiate's going. Uh, not, they're, they're trying to win a state title for the 15th consecutive year in either 3-2-1-A or 4-A, and that's just a, a mind-blowing, uh, you know, mind-blowing feat. I, think it, I don't think it's going to be a total uh, uh, given that they'll, that, they'll, that they'll do that. But with, with new players, you know, with a group of new players – uh, playing at state, but but they certainly are going to be among the contenders. Yeah, and the, always the favorite. I mean, until somebody can go out and knock them off, they, they've got to be a favorite. And and one of the teams that would like to think they've got a shot is the team that finished second to them last year, and that's Marysville. Uh, they've had a great season. They brought back their entire state team from a year ago, but uh, kind of did some tinkering this year. Uh, took took their top doubles team, separated them, and uh, moved one of them to a singles, and and then repaired kind of their doubles team. And you know sometimes if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it wasn't broke, but they they still fixed it, and and it's ended up working out better for them. Uh, the one constant you definitely had was Shay Kramer. Uh, she's been their top singles player since she was a freshman. This year she's twenty nine and four. And uh, like I said, handed Alyssa Freeze her only loss that she's had this season. So that tells you the the capabilities that Shay Kramer has. So she's going to be one of the one of the top players in in the singles draw. She's seated third right now. 
um, and we'll have a great uh, match if it gets out to it with uh, in the semifinals um, with number two, Hayden Bellamy from Colby, who Ricky will talk about in a second. Those two have already played once this year, and Bellamy got Kramer in the finals at the Smoky Valley Tournament with an 8-4 decision. So if they could meet again, that'll be a good match. But Marysville qualifies its entire team, Shea Kramer and Grace Winkler. The doubles player who moved to singles this year, uh, they're the singles qualifiers, and then their doubles teams uh, go 1-4 at regionals. Caden Spurgeon and Rose Lotta, regional champions, and then Kate Freeze and Aubrey Veering took fourth at regionals. So Marysville's got the numbers, which is part of the battle. Now they just have to go out and, and translate that onto the court. And if, if they can get some performance out of their doubles team, if their doubles team can maybe maybe get out into the into the semis or even to the state championship match, you know, that'll be a big thing. But I mean it's a it's a tough draw for them. The Spurgeon and Lotta, they ended up despite being the regional champion, ended up as the eighth seed in the draw. And so they'll have to face Conrad and Herman, the defending state champs, in the second round if they win their in the, if they win their first match, or in the quarterfinals if they win their first match. And so, uh, really, a tough draw for for that Marysville team to uh, to be a regional champion yet only get the number eight seed. I mean, to me, if you're a regional champion, you should be one of the top four seeds because you've earned that. But um, they they go off. They, this is a new thing this year where they've they've gone and and they're actually seeding the tournament based on strength of of schedule strength of record, strength of, of uh, competition, and things like that. And so um, so that's how Spurgeon and Lotta end up as a number eight seed. So, uh, you know, if they can pull an upset of Conrad and Herman, Marysville's, Marysville's got a shot at winning this thing. But um, even if they lose that match, they, you know, they've got to come out and find a way to get a fifth get a fifth place finish for Marysville to have a shot. That's what it's going to take. And then another team that's had a really good season, um, kind of under the radar all year, is Ellsworth. Uh, they, they've, they've been a team that they haven't lost a tournament title this year. They've won every single tournament as a team that they've been at this year. They win their regional and they just they got a young team. Uh, freshman and sophomore are their are their singles players. And then you look at their doubles teams. You got uh, freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. Or I'm sorry, a, two freshmen, a sophomore, and a junior. So uh, a very young team for Ellsworth. It's had a great season. Uh, their singles player. Um, Carly Hayes, a freshman, she's come out, had a 15-6 and six season, and Phyllis De La Cruz is their other singles player, has been 21-9 this year. And so Ellsworth is a team that's got numbers. Now they're going to have to they're going to have to really do some work because they, they none of them finished really high at their regionals. Uh, fourth, uh, second place finish from the doubles team of Reagan Coonrod and Henry Rippert was the highest finish at regionals. Otherwise, looking at fourth, fifth, sixth place finishers. So they're going to have to uh, have to make some hay uh, with their draws to really go out and maybe maybe position themselves uh, in that top three conversation. But uh, looking at some of the other players, Ricky, uh, there's there's some good com- competitors from out west that really have a chance to make noise in three two one a this year. Yeah, start. Starting with Hayden Bellamy, as you mentioned, uh, 32-1 and one in her senior season. The big thing with Hayden this year is she has faced a lot tougher competition in the regular season than she has uh, the previous two years. Hayden always dominates her Western Kansas competition this year. I mean, if you look at 
And look at her resume. Uh, you know, a win over Katie Weiss, who was the runner-up. Win over Shea Kramer, who Brent, who Brent mentioned. Two wins over uh, Lauren and Dabby Holt, who's a heck of a player. Two wins over uh, Cimarron's Emily Getz, who was a, a state play, placer that year. I mean, other other than the the, 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 Carvalho, the Carvalho girl from uh, Collegiate, I mean, she's kind of faced most of the players that I expect to be contenders in, in 3-2-1-A, and, and she's done really well against them. Uh, you know, Hayden was fifth last year in class 4a she was fourth in 321a the year before um you know really really got tested in that tournament of, of champions and at collegiate against some um larger uh, opponents from larger schools uh she went four and one there with uh, her only loss to julia judkins from capen uh beat three other state qualifiers in 5a so man she has just been really really tested um you know, I think she's – the thing about Hayden is she didn't pick up playing tennis until her freshman year of high school, which is kind of abnormal for some of the, for some of these girls. I mean, I think a lot of them really, really start when they're, you know, just starting grade school almost for, for most of them. So the fact that she's been able to narrow the gap between, um, you know, the top title contenders and herself, it, she just keeps getting better. And I – I, I expect her to be to be at least be in the in the mix, uh, you know, this weekend. Um, you know, I'll touch on a couple uh, other of my Western Kansas kids while while I, while I've got it. Um, and uh, doubles, uh, Osborne's uh, Gracie and Levy Reiner just having a heck of a year. They were sixth place in state last year. This year they're twenty three and one. Uh, really played well in regionals. Uh, it, uh, dominated that match against uh, Philip. Phillipsburg, it's Isabella Kesey and Jocelyn Billings. So, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see if they if they can kind of improve on what they did last year and kind of factor into the mix a little bit in doubles. And then, uh, you know, quick quick shout out to Phillipsburg. Um, you know, they've they've probably had one of the better teams at the small school level in Western Kansas for the for the past few years. Uh, uh, Olivia Salida is a, a solid singles player for them. She's twenty five and. Uh, 25 and 6 I believe and their uh their doubles team of Jocelyn Billings and Isabel Kesey they're 23 and 5 and they and they've had a really good year so uh, you know like I mentioned earlier it's really cool to see western Kansas well represented in these in these state tournaments um you know now they're and they're starting to find a few few kids that can contend. I mean we've seen that on the boys side the last couple of years with Central Plains Peyton Ryan being right in the mix for for state titles and this year it would not not surprise me if somebody like Hayden Bellamy can be right there for a state title herself. All right, that's the Class 3A uh, state tennis roundup again. That's at Crossover Tennis Center here in Topeka, and I will be there this weekend. Uh, Mac 6A in Junction City, Scott 5A, or Ricky 5A in Salina, Scott 4A in Winfield. And uh, so we'll have some great competition. Hopefully the weather warms up just a little bit. Looks like it's going to be a chilly weekend uh, for the for the tennis players. But last weekend regionals was, uh, was kind of chilly too. So they got a little bit of taste of that. And uh, hopefully the weather holds off. Turns out to be a nice day. I, I believe we'll have an eclipse on Saturday we may have to deal with as well. And so, uh, but uh, expect some lights out tennis uh, <laughs> to go along with that that eclipse. And so uh, looking forward to state tennis this weekend. And then we'll no sooner get state tennis wrapped up on Saturday than turn right back around on Monday. And we will have state golf competitions uh, across the state. Uh, four classes for girls state golf. 
and we got uh, some good good golf tournaments that are going to go on. 6A is going to be at Emporia Municipal Course, 5A at Hutchinson's Cary Park, 4A at the Salina Municipal Course, and then 3A at the Helston Golf Course. And those kind of be, seem to be the four courses that the Girls State Golf uh, kind of rotates around through every year. Uh, I went and looked back, and like the last five years, I think we've only deviated, gone to Cherry Oaks and Cheney uh, one time during that span. Otherwise, those four courses kind of seem to be the home for Girls State Golf, and I know the the people that run all those courses do a great job of hosting state events, and and that's a there's a big reason why we go back to them year after year after year is because they really welcome these state events and really really do a great job in running them. And so we'll start with Class Six A and Emporia and Mac. The last time Six A was at Emporia, I believe you were down there watching uh, Julia Miesmer cap cap her uh, tremendous high school career. Uh, who do we have that you're going to be really looking forward to seeing down there in Six A this year? Well, all of them, of course, uh, to, to narrow it down a little bit more. Uh, I, I think looking at it uh, with, you know, last year uh, it played out as uh, a, a runaway for Olathe Northwest, uh, just putting uh, every player, putting their best day together uh, to, to get them to, to win by 19 strokes over uh, Shawnee Mission East. Uh, both of those two squads uh, are back, uh, you know, in the, the, the thick of the title picture this year. Uh, and then in the, the uh, race for the, the state champion, uh, you know, Shawnee Mission East had Ella Slicker, who uh, ended up winning it by one stroke over a, a three-person pack uh, last year. Uh, and of those, one of them was her teammate, Ingrid Blackader. Uh, she's back this year. Uh, for Olathe Northwest, Avery Hirschman uh, was in that group as well. She's back. And then, you know, you have a couple other ones down the line of, uh, you know, Savannah Cagle of Olathe West as a uh, a freshman took fifth, uh, Claire Sullivan, Olathe Northwest. Uh, she was throughout the year, their top, uh, golfer. And then she ends up finishing, uh, seventh. Well, going to this year looks very similar for, uh, Olathe Northwest. Claire Sullivan has been that top golfer. Uh, but when you look at kind of the, the, the top, uh, marks for each one, you can go about four or five deep and they've all been able to hit in that low eighties and then start, you know, moving in, uh, to the, the, the seventies there with their, their best scores. Uh, Savannah Cagle shot a 77 to win the Washburn rural, uh, regional take first there. Uh, Olathe Northwest ends up getting the, the win four ahead of that Manhattan team that Brent, you'll end up talking about. They've been pretty dominant this season. Uh, Claire Sullivan finishes the runner-up with 80. Matt Kelso finished with an 82. Avery Hirschman, again, she took tied for second last year. She took six with an 84, but she's a very consistent golfer, doesn't let pressure get to her. Expect her to be the thick of the uh, race at state. And then uh, Julie Beveridge uh, tied for seventh with an 85. So they just have so many golfers that can uh, consistently stay in those top packs uh, and and be able to to keep those low scores to to uh, make it where they're a pretty strong favorite to uh, try to win two in a row. Uh, but obviously, you have just so many teams uh, that have 
are able to get themselves uh, into that conversation. Shawnee mentioned East being one. Uh, you also have, in terms of the just winning the 6A title as an individual, you have uh, players like Blue Valley's uh, Hadley Neese, who actually edged out Ella Slicker for the, the regional championship, shot a 73, Slicker shot a 74, and then one behind her was Ingra Blackadder, uh, and, and they end up getting that regional team title holding off Olathe East, which I don't know if they have quite enough people to get themselves into that team race, but uh, expect Jenny's son and uh, Addie McKenna to uh, be right there uh, with those those top golfers. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talent, and you know, if I'm looking at that team race, I'm I'm keeping it with uh, Olathe Northwest as the favorite for my area, but. Man, never count out Johnny Mission East, and there's a couple others that uh, have just enough firepower. If everything goes right, they can get themselves into that race as well. Yeah, Matt mentioned Manhattan, and Manhattan's had a tremendous season. Uh, you know, they they're a young team; they don't have a senior among their top uh, among their top varsity players. But you know, they they were a team that qualified for state last year, and and were kind of you know kind of back in the pack a little bit there. But this year, uh, they added freshman Maddie Myers, and that's just made it made a world of difference for this team. Uh, you know, they've gone out; I, they posted a two ninety six earlier this this season, which uh, Coach Paige McCarthy said was the lowest team score she could ever find for a girls uh, girls team at Manhattan and and going back some 40 years through their records to to find that out uh, you know they shot a 335 at regionals but put a little asterisk by that because their top player is all season pretty much has been Maddie Myers their freshman and at regionals she goes out and shoots a 91 she spent most of the season shooting in the 70s so she's she's about uh, you know 12 13 shots over where she is you take 12 13 13 shots off her score that puts them down in the low 320s that puts them right back in the thick of thick of the hunt for the uh, state title so I think Manhattan and one of the things that they have is all six of their players have have at some point this season uh, played well enough to be in that top 10 top five type of spots so they're very deep that if one girl has a bad day you know Maddie Myers doesn't have a great day at regionals but Lily Barr, Cat Ball, Caitlin Lagabed, Emily Wugazer, all four of them end up finish, finishing in the top ten at regionals. And so, you know, they can they can endure a day where that maybe their best player or best one of their best players doesn't have her A game that day and still be right there in the in the hunt. So I expect Manhattan really to go out and be a factor in, at the Class 6A state tournament this year. Um, Washburn Rurals had a decent season, not quite uh, down as low as they've been in the past, but they're a team that can that certainly has a capability of putting it together on any given day. So I think I think the depth in 6A is really good this year when you talk about Shawnee Mission East, Olathe Northwest, Olathe East, Manhattan, Washburn Rural, and then now we have a newcomer in 6A uh, who was a 5A last year. And Scott, you can touch on the, them. Uh, Mays not only brings uh, maybe the best player in the state overall up to class 6a this year but pretty good team to go along with her yeah you know to me this is this is one of the when you when you look at reclassification and who moves up and who moves down uh when i heard that Mays Mays moved to 6a this is this this immediately went to my mind and it, it's uh you know kesley jones outstanding junior uh at Mays is a two-time defending well two-time reigning 5a champion uh, and is moving up to 6a and, and she'll obviously uh, has the potential to win 6A right out of the gate and just an outstanding player. Her her granddad was Greer Jones, who was a longtime 
uh, Wichita State men's golf coach and, and former PGA Tour player. Uh, Kinsley won all 10 of her tournaments her freshman year, including the 5A title, and came back and, and defended that 5A title. Uh, she's got I, – I have to look this up. She's got to be up around 25 career victories already. But what I've noticed is this, this year, a lot of those tournaments she's won – there hasn't been a lot of margin for error. I mean, I think she's she's shot in the 60s several times, but but there's been some good uh, young players down here uh, in her own league with Newton's Naomi Koontz and and uh, uh, it uh, and Wichita Southeast freshman Alina Lamb, who who uh, Kinsley shot 69 to win the the Wichita North Regional last week at, at Wichita Sim Golf Course. Alina uh, shot 72, so that there wasn't a lot of margin for error. Kinsley's been pushed a little bit. Uh, you know, they're, they're, she'll pop up and win a tournament by 10, 12 strokes every now and then. But, but for the most part, playing here against good 5A and good 6A competition uh, with some good young newcomers, you know, she's really had to hold her own. She hasn't won every time, but, but uh, a lot of times she'll, you know, she'll shoot a 66 and you look and the second place finisher is 68. So uh, she's got that ability to rise to the challenge. Uh, last year, she led Mays to a third place finish in 5A. And it'll be interesting to see how Mays can compete at 6A. Uh, they shot a 322 team score to win uh, the regional at Sim the other uh, the other day. Sim's not the toughest golf course; it's pretty straightforward. Uh, so it's it's kind of hard to see how that score will translate against uh, you know other other teams from other areas. Uh, but certainly with with Alexis Elliott, uh, Charlotte Curbs, uh, Emma Hayes, Mays has been able able to develop some depth. Uh, and some support for for Kinsley uh, to make them a formidable challenger uh, as a team, and and Mays won the the Arc Valley Chisholm Trail League title by or Division One title by a comfortable margin, uh, won the regional by forty seven shots. Uh, you know, so so certainly a team that that at least has that day two potential, that that potential to get through and and make that that first day cut. Uh, you know, Wichita Southeast is another team finished third at regional, quite a ways back from Mays, but. But that's a, you know, in the, in the Wichita City League, it's pretty much been Capen, Carroll, and who's next. And, uh, you know, with Alina Lamb, a really good freshman at Wichita Southeast, uh, who I think can be a contender, uh, you know, maybe if not for medalist, at least, a, you know, a top 10, top five finish. Uh, you know, I think Wichita Southeast is a team on the rise, I would say. They're going to have to work on developing that depth, but they've got that that anchor, that hammer in, in Lamb, who's a you know very diminutive, uh, not not very big player. Great short game though, really chips it and puts it well. Fun one to watch. So so really down here uh, out of the Wichita area, you know Mays is obviously going to be the one one to to see if they can be a disruptor as they move into 6A. Yeah, and Emporia is a course, too, that lends itself to uh, to people going out and getting getting good scores. Uh, as a, as somebody who's played that course many, many times and posted several good scores there, uh, you know, it's a course that obviously lends itself to scoring because I can't say that about most courses that I go play. So, uh, you know, Emporia is a course where – these players, these top players, can really go out and and do some good, shoot some good numbers, shoot some low numbers. So it, it should be a really interesting uh, battle for that individual title and that team race. I think I think you're going to have a team that's that's going to be going into day two, wishing they had their whole team and knowing that they they potentially had a team that could be right there in the hunt. But but the depth of six A, they're going to be left out in that seventh place spot and not uh, not really have a shot at, at competing as a team. But six uh, A looks to be be really strong this year especially you know with Kinsley moving up and, and with uh, the defending champion from Shawnee Mission East Ella 
Hooker there. I mean, I think I think six A should be a really fun tournament to uh, to go watch. And Mac, you should have a have a great time down there watching that tournament. The Class Five A state tournament will be at Cary Park in with in uh, Hutchinson and that's where Scott will be and Scott with Kinsley moving out of 5A that leaves that wide open but I think you've got a couple players down there that uh, certainly have the uh, have the ability to really step in and, and take up take that mantle away yeah you know it's really kind of a fascinating shift in 5A uh, you know when you look at it on the surface, Kinsley Jones moving up to 6A for Mays. Uh, Meg Tilma, who was the runner-up in 5A last year at Capen, uh, transferred out of Capen, went back or went to Wichita Classical. Uh, you know, so the top two really good players, uh, really good players in the summer uh, in the summer circuit uh, in the state of Kansas, both gone, and you kind of wonder, okay, what's left here in 5A? Well, I think the questions have been quickly answered, and I'm really interested to see, uh, you know, how it plays out. Uh, next week at, at Cary Park, you know, Capen, Capen has still found a way to be a solid team. Uh, you know, they seems like they're always full of depth and, and they've added a freshman and I, boy, you pronounced her name last time, Brett, I'm going to give it a try. Zamina Suranana. I hope Zamina, I'm doing it right. I'm going to have to call you the X factor if not, but, but she's emerged as a really good freshman for Capen uh, shot 71 in, in the regional at which I was rolling Hills and won that tournament by 11 shots. So, uh, so, it looks like the Crusaders have their anchor as they go for that bid uh, to three-peat in 5A. Uh, you know, their they're closest competition, and, uh, you know, I know Ricky can speak to, to them. Uh, Hayes, Hayes finished seven shots back uh, uh, to them at the 5A regional in, in rolling, at Rolling Hills. And, and so I would think if I, – I would think maybe just overall Capen's margin for error in the chase for a team title might be a little smaller just because of, of uh, not having the, the Tilma girls around anymore. Uh, but they certainly have the, uh, an outstanding number one uh, in Saranana, and we'll, she'll be certainly be a favorite to to win medalist honors. But but by no stretch a given. I, uh, over at Andover, uh, sophomore Reagan Duesenberry has had an outstanding season. Uh, won most of her tournaments. Uh, won the regional uh, up at uh, Lake Shawnee in, in Topeka, and has just had an outstanding season. Another one of those just great great summer circuit players. And uh, I think her aggregate, aggregate score over the course of the season is, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's under par, though. And that, you know, that, that tells you all you really need to know there. She won the, the Lake Shawnee Regional by nine shots. And, and her, the second place finisher uh, at that regional was Newton's Naomi Koontz. And, and Koontz is another freshman who's kind of come onto the scene and, and I think could really be a, a contender for 5A medalist. She had a great start to the season, uh, defeated Kinsley Jones in a playoff at Derby, won her first couple tournaments. Uh, she's kind of – her scores have backed off just a little bit uh, since the early season, but she's still very capable of shooting around par or, or better in a Cary Park. Like Emporia, it's, it's a course you can score on. It's, it's, it's not particularly difficult. Uh, you know, if the wind blows, you know, like the, the wind blows anywhere, it's going to make the, that course that much tougher. But, but certainly I think for – for a player like Koontz who's shown the ability to, to shoot uh, around par and even better, you know, she could be in the, in the hunt there. So uh, I think, you know, the, the, the team race, Capen comes in probably, you know, after having a really good regional, probably as a, as a favorite, maybe not quite the strong favorite they've been in the past. Uh, but that individual race, I think, is going to be really spectacular and, and looking forward to seeing uh, how that plays out. 
Yeah, what is it about the freshmen in the Wichita area this year, Scott? I mean, that, you, you, it seems like yeah. every time you name somebody, it's a it's having a great freshman year. I mean, the young talent in the Wichita right. area is just incredible right now. Yeah, it really is, and it, it's it's you know in the three years that we've done Casey covered, it, it there's been new freshmen that have popped up. You know, Jones obviously a couple years ago, and then Dusenberry last year, and and now you've got Coons and then Serenana, and um, you know, so it's just there. You know, I need to pay a little more attention to the summer tournaments, I guess, to see see who's the next big thing. But uh, you know, when they get here, uh, get up to this level, obviously they're ready to play. They're ready to shoot good scores, and and uh, I think that'll continue to make five A even without uh, Kinsley Jones and, and Meg Tilma. I think it's going to continue uh, in this case to make five A a really uh, compelling tournament. Yeah, and Ricky uh, Scott mentioned Hayes uh, right on Capen's heels at at regionals, and you know this this is a program that's that's been on a, a very steady climb here the last uh, last three or four or five years, and and once again you know they're they're going to be right there in the mix. Yeah, you know maybe kind of under the radar a little bit. Uh, all Mark Watts does that is just turn out state state tournament teams. I mean he's done it on the boys side, he's done it on the girls side. I got. I think on the girls' side, this might be their 16th, 17th, somewhere, somewhere around their straight trip to state. Uh, you know, I, I remember talking to Mark two years ago when Hayes just had a really, really good team, and you know, entering state, you know, he pretty much knew they had no shot of beating that Capen team. I think he called Cape that Capen team, you know, one of the best teams he's ever seen. Then last year, he thought, well. You know we're not going to lose by as many strokes, but but Capen still still head and shoulders above everybody else. This year, I think they got to take quite a bit of confidence from that regional showing. Um, you know, only only losing by seven strokes to Capen. The thing about Hayes is they have incredible depth. Um, you know, they put four in the top 10, uh, five in the top 15 at, at regionals. Uh, you know, Abby Norris is, the, is their best golfer. She was the WAC player of the year. Uh, she took second at regionals. Uh, Evan Cox, Ashlyn Banker, Lily Garrison, uh, J, uh, um, J.C. Oakley, um, you know, and then even going down to their, their sixth golfer, Avery Augustine, uh, they they're all just solid golfers so you know if they, if they all play well and maybe have just one of their girls uh come up and have maybe a career round maybe like norris or or norris or cox if, if one of those girls really put you know together a great round and and the rest of them just play to their own capabilities it, it wouldn't surprise me if if they're you know at least not in the conversation to to push a, another talented caping team yeah, and Mac, uh, you know, uh, St. James Academy Regional, uh, some good good stuff there. It was a very tightly contested regional, just 16 shots separate the first four teams at that regional. And, and uh, you know, there, you've got some teams there, St. James Academy, Blue Valley Southwest, and St. Thomas Aquinas, certainly capable of finding themselves in the mix as well. Yeah, and you know, you talked about it. You can't. It's hard to judge uh, the different courses and the the numbers that come out of it. But uh, when you're going, you know, uh, third best regional score behind uh, the two you guys mentioned, uh, you know, is St. James Academy three fifty two out at that one to to win their regional, and uh, really really good uh, the. Behind uh, Aquinas is Catherine Adkins, who uh, ends up uh, taking first with an 81. Uh, she's a talented golfer that uh, pretty much just stays in that low 80 range. Her top is a 79. 
she averages an 83. She stays right there. Uh, she'll be able to get herself uh, into that top group. But <clears throat> for St. James Academy, right behind her was Caitlin Williams and Rose Muehlberger uh, tied for second with an 84. And I think Muehlberger was a little bit more of a surprise. Uh, she shot 12 better 12 strokes better than her average this year to get that 84 uh so she's normally about fourth in the group uh it's usually ava reyes and anna leonard uh but they end up being a little bit back in this one they shoot 92s to tie for 11th and if those two can perform well at state a little better than they did at regionals closer to what they've been doing through a lot of the season if rose muehlberger if this that wasn't just a one-off great day and she can replicate that yeah St. James Academy can get themselves right there uh, into that group, even if uh, I'm not sure any of those four are uh, have, have shown that they can get themselves down into those low 70s with the wh whoever's going to win state uh, out there in 5A. Uh, but definitely as a collective unit, they can get themselves uh, in there. And then uh, Blue Valley Southwest was five strokes back. So uh, that's a, another team that, uh, you know, has has the depth. Uh, and it really, it, it always comes down to how do they do with the pressure on out at state and uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of talented golfers, so there's going to be even, even more pressure. What do you do with it? And those are two teams, St. James Academy and Blue Valley Southwest that I really think, and, and you know, if they perform well, can get themselves into that team race. Yeah. So it should be a great one down at Hutchinson. Scott will be there and Hutchinson to watch that uh, Class 5A state tournament. Class 4A returns to Salina Municipal Course. And last time it was there, Wamigo edged Winfield by one stroke, I believe it was, for the state championship uh, two years ago. Last year, Wamigo beats Winfield for the title by 88 strokes. So this year, I'm going to guess somewhere in between is where this thing's going to going to end up. Although I think I think the 4A race for the team team title should be just a great one this year. Uh, you know, Wamigo is the two-time defending state champion, but. Uh, you know, they lost some really key players off of last year's team. Ashton Pearson and Kirby McKee were two seniors a year ago that were just, just staples for them. Uh, Four-year placers at state. Uh, Pearson was a state runner-up last year to her teammate Addison Douglas. McKee found herself in the top ten quite a bit. So those were some key pieces that they that they had to replace. And they've replaced them, but not just not with those low scores that those two typically shot. But that said, while Migos had a great season this year, and they go out and they win their regional uh, in a good one. They, uh, they beat Hayden by 11 strokes for the regional title. Uh, Bueller finishes well back, uh, 50 shots back. But, you know, Hayden's a team that's had a good year this year. Uh, well, Winfield and Wellington, Scott will talk about uh, also are teams that, that really have a shot at, at going out. And this could be a really interesting team race. Uh, when you look at Wamigo, uh, not only the two-time defending state champions, but they returned the individual state champion from a year ago. And Addison Douglas, who won it last year as a freshman, won it going away last year when, uh, when she captured her first state title. Uh, ended up beating Pearson, her teammate, by 17 shots for the state title. So Addison Douglas, uh, just a tremendous golfer. Uh, she's had a great year this year. She uh, she won uh, the tournament at, at Wamigo, uh, on Wamigo's course that Washburn Rural hosted, facing Olathe Northwest, facing Shawnee Mission East, facing Manhattan, facing Washburn Rural. And Douglas was the individual champion that day uh, at that course. And so she's had a great 
great season again this year and goes out at regionals and shoots a 69 to win a regional title by 16 shots. So um, Addison Douglas looks to be the favorite to win another state title. But And then Sarah Springer is a senior for, for uh, Wamiga, who's really had a nice year. It actually beat Douglas at a tournament earlier this year and has been consistently in the top 10 for Wamigo. For the key for Wamigo this year will be what can their newcomers that, that are on the team? They got three girls that had never played a varsity tournament before this year in the lineup this year now. And, and they, they've had solid seasons, but for them to win state, some of them are going to really have to step up and, and get under that get under that triple-digit mark. Uh, even though Addison's going to go out and give you a pretty, a pretty good lead, I think, in the team race with what she goes and does, um, I still think it's going to take that the three, four, and five player to really come through with, with big days for Amigo to, uh, to hold off these other schools and, and win a third straight title. Uh, you know, Hayden's, Hayden's very balanced. Uh, Avery, Avery Grunert's been one of their better players and was one of their top finishers last year's state, but she's kind of, kind of had just an average season this year, but her teammates, Lauren Bourgeon's really had a good year. Uh, she was their top finisher at regionals, uh, shooting an 88 to take to take seventh at regionals, but she won a, won a couple tournaments earlier this year, including one down at McPherson, uh, where she won that one, so uh, she's somebody. Hannah Reynoldson's been a multi-time state placer for, for Hayden. Very capable of going low. Uh, Izzy Glotzbox, another player that's, that's had a good year for Topeka Hayden. So I think Hayden, when they put it together, they've consistently shot lower than Wamigo has all season long from a team score standpoint. But when they've gone head to head, head Wamigo's beaten Hayden both times they've seen each other. So it'll be interesting to see how those two shake out. But I think, you know, really when you look at it, uh, Winfield and Wellington, two teams that have been in the hunt the past few years, are two teams that really can uh, can make this a fun race again this year. And Scott, uh, looks like both of them coming off their regional performance have a chance to do that. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think when you look at – maybe look at last year's 4A results, you're going to kind of see a lot of similarities to maybe where where, where we're going to end up uh, this year. I think there's a lot of those a lot of those same teams, as you mentioned. Wamigo may not be the ultimate dominant team that they were last year, but but uh, certainly, uh, uh, you know, probably would be the favorite. And, and Hayden is, is Hayden was close enough at regional to, to make things interesting, I think. And, and then Winfield and Wellington and Pratt, those teams were all day two qualifiers, top six finishers uh, at state last year, and and uh, do they have enough to to you know to climb up a little bit? I'm not, I'm not sure. You know, it was an outstanding regional down here at Wellington last week. Uh, Winfield edged to host Crusaders of Wellington by one shot for the title. Uh, another really good sophomore, Lily Simpson, was the medalist uh, from Winfield at that tournament. Uh, shot eight over par and 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 uh, Edge Pratt's Avery Blazy by two shots and Blazy's been a great player throughout her career and and could help Pratt uh, you know maybe get in that top four or five again this year uh, so I don't know you know I don't know if South Central Kansas is going to produce the 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 challenger to to knock Wamigo off the throne but I certainly think those teams are 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 you know they're they're back with with good players and and uh, you know the scores. You know, last year I think Wamigo, like, like you said, when they win one by that kind of margin, the scores were were phenomenal uh, both days. And I don't, I, I see that 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 difference between top to bottom maybe shrinking a little bit. And, and uh, uh, but but will they be able to to contend with Wamigo and, and Hayden? I'm not sure. Uh, but but Wellington has a good team back, a good young team with uh, Taryn Ver- Veramontes, uh, Claire Ginter. They were both top four finishes at regionals. So. 
So I'd look for those three teams to be in that day two hunt uh, again this year from South Central Kansas. Yeah, and then our other regional champion was Independence, although their regional score was kind of well behind uh, well behind the others. But Mac is Independence, a team, you know, we talked about them in tennis, and here they are in, in girls golf too, uh, having, a, having a great season. Do they have, you know, they missed the cut to make the second day last year by, by uh, 14 shots. Are, are they a team that can maybe, if they put it together uh, for a weekend, for a couple days, can, can they sneak in there? I mean, I think with golf, that's always kind of the the thing is if if, if you're able to have a group that can, uh, you know, get close to the the top there, can keep with uh, some of the top teams, then uh, things have to go your way. Maybe it's more the other teams play bad, and you have to, that that helps you close the gap. But whatever it may be, yeah, I mean, they they have enough to definitely be in that that team race. Um, Violet Robbins took uh, fourth with a 94. Matt Lee Brumley took uh, fifth with a 95 and and Haley Hines was eighth with a hundred. So, uh, you know, right there, they got three golfers that, uh, have been really good and been able to really keep those, those scores low and, 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 and help them, uh, try to try to win. They win their first regional title in, in, in program history. Uh, you know, I think the hardest thing is just how good, you know, uh, the other teams are, how good uh, Wamigo is, uh, you know, it, it makes it very difficult to, to close that gap uh, with, with Wamigo and Hayden. And uh, But looking at a couple of the others from my area, you know, uh, Ottawa uh, sophomore uh, Kathy Gillette, uh, she won her regional with an 89. Uh, Baldwin's Peyton Wright, uh, who I wrote about, uh was thinking she wouldn't be playing golf until the spring on the boys team. Uh, but she, uh, didn't want that to happen. So, uh, she did the work to, to, uh, help start the girls golf team at Baldwin had to go before the school board and, and, and petition for that. And they're, they're self-funded for the first three years, but her parents have helped them do a fundraiser over the summer. And, uh, you know, she's out there winning some tournaments and, and, and she ends up taking third at the, that regional with the 92. Uh, so, uh, a couple good ones there. And then, uh, in, in, uh, Another regional, uh, Eudora's uh, Jolyn uh, Vogt uh, ends up winning uh, or ends up taking second. She won the non-Addison Douglas uh, part of the regional competition because uh, nobody was close to her. But uh, of that next set, uh, it ends up uh, taking second with an 85. Uh, so those are all ones that I expect uh, to be in the individual race and then not sure there's another one Eudora's a little bit on the outside there with a, a 418 at their regional but uh, yeah I would say if there's a, a team from my area that's gonna have a chance to get into the, the team race it's pretty much just uh, on Independence's shoulders there you know so good, expect a good uh, a good team race there in class 4A uh, Wamigo the defending champion but Hayden Wellington and Winfield certainly hot on their tails and then going down to class 3A we got a uh, Pittsburgh St. Mary's Colgan is the three three-time reigning uh, state champions in that classification. And Mac, you know, they lost some key players off last year's team. Three players that were in the top uh, fifteen at state a year ago. Do they have enough to uh, to get it done again and make it a four peat? I think so. I I have no idea what happened out at the regional, and uh, you know, uh, I hear some shenanigans uh, led it to be a four thirteen for for Colgan. But uh, in terms of having the the top end, 
Uh, they have Molly uh, Sweezy. She ties for second with a 96. Ava Skripsik, uh fifth with 100. And uh, Danielle Yagmore with a seventh with a 103. All three of those have shot sub-80s this season. Uh, they average uh, at 90 or below. Uh, you add in Lauren O'Brien as somebody who her season's best was a 93. Uh, they're definitely not uh, as much of the runaway uh you know, candidate as they might have been, uh, but definitely still a top contender in in uh, three to one a. Uh, just a g- really really strong group. Those top three are consistently uh, in the top pack, and then uh, again you add in a couple more there uh, on on the back end that can uh, have shown that they can shoot some low scores. If they can do that at state, without a doubt, uh, Colgan stays there in that. It, team race yeah from what i understand there were some crazy pin placements down at that regional at uh, at crestview in pittsburgh and that led to some high scores and and uh, we know it was an anomaly the for the scoring down there because scott you had the two-time reigning individual state champion returning uh for wichita collegiate and when she goes out and shoots an 89 something's got to be fishy yeah you know i haven't talked to, to margaret since she won that regional tournament but but it was where i was following the scores that day and it's like this this it seems like an anomaly, and it, it sounds like it would be too. You know, she she won the regional title, shot seventeen over par, and uh, you know you'll you'll have, you'd have to look pretty far and wide to see the last time that uh, that Margaret Ulrich uh, shot that score. Uh, you know, shot a score that high, I would imagine. Uh, you know, she is the two time defending champ, and and you know we talked about good Wichita area players that have come up in the last few years. Uh, Margaret was in Kensley Jones's class. I mean, a junior that's that's been an outstanding player. Uh, from the start, you know, occasionally she gets to play those those uh, really good players from Andover and Capon, and and definitely holds her own, and and has been a, a solid player at state last year at Cary Park. Fired a 69 on the opening day, uh, kind of had a tough uh, front nine on on the second day of the tournament, but when when push came to shove, she she nailed it down, shot even par on the closing nine, and and uh, came away with her second. Uh, state title, state individual state title last year. I don't see any reason why she won't be a, a, at least a favorite. You know, I think there's some good players in, in Northeast Kansas that that uh, can can give her a run this year. Uh, you know, she's gotten her her challenge from Colgan uh, in the in, individual race the, the last couple of years, but uh, really solid player. I I, I certainly think uh, you know she goes in uh, with an outstanding chance to three peat uh, uh, this week at Heston. Yeah, and uh, looking at some of the other contenders in in Class Three A, uh, I'll be writing about for our storylines. Uh, Silver Lake, they're a, they're a team that uh, all they've done this year is won every single tournament they've gone out and played in, and uh, they uh, they had a they had a good team last year, finished fourth at state a year ago, but brought back some quality players and then added a a, tra- a foreign exchange student, Clara Kleinig from Leipzig, Germany. So we had a German uh, who making an impact in state tennis and now one that could potentially make an impact in state golf. And, and she's been great. She came out and she won first four tournaments of the year that she played in for Silver Lake. And and uh, and then her and Taylor Zordel, who was a returning state placer for Silver Lake, have kind of gone back and forth being that top dog for Silver Lake. But, you know, they got two girls there that go out and routinely shoot in that 70s area. So... Silver Lake is certainly a team that can go out and, and maybe make a run at a state title this year. They had a great performance at regionals. Uh, 
Uh, Kleina goes out and shoots a 75 to win by three shots. Zordal shoots an 80, takes third. Uh, Silver Lake wins the regional with a 345, which was far and away the best regional score. Now, I know the, the Pittsburgh one was a little bit little bit wonky, so we'll uh, kind of take those scores, some of those scores with a grain of salt. But still, Silver Lake, a 345, that's, that's a pretty solid score. And if they can go out and, and match that uh, at state the next two uh, – Next two those for those two rounds, they're certainly going to be in the conversation for for capturing a state title and and kind of like some of these other teams we talked to, depth has been their their big thing. Uh, Kate Osterhaus and Maddie Feger have been in the top ten routinely time and time again this year. Avery Brockstrom's another player that's had some top ten moments. Kaylin Haney's had a few top tens, so you know they go four, five, six deep, and that's a program that has twenty three players out, which is impressive for a class three A school to have twenty three girls golf players out especially one where volleyball is is the king uh for girls sports at, at silver lake you know pro- program that's perennial uh state contender and multiple times state champion so uh so silver lake golf has it going on they've got a lot of interest they got a lot of depth and uh they're certainly a team that can make some noise this weekend uh out at uh, out at heston which is where the class 3a state tournament will be and another team comes from out west where ricky uh i think colby is a team that you know they've consistently been that uh that top challenger to pittsburgh Colgan in the last few years and they're certainly going to be in the mix this year as well yeah i believe uh you know four straight runner-ups for that team um Real, real quick, going back to the individual race, uh, you know, if you're looking, if you're looking for somebody that could unseat Margaret Ulrich, uh, I think you got to start with Anna Starbuck near the top of the list. Um, you know, she won state as a freshman, second as a sophomore, third last year as a junior. Uh, this year, just very consistent. She's been in the mid 70s several times and won in mo- almost all of her tournaments. Uh, I don't think there's any question that she's going to be, you know, up near the top, but it's 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 going to take two great rounds to beat Margaret, I think. Uh, you know, last year Anna had an, a kind of an off round in, in the first day, and that, that kind of put her behind the eight ball. And then the second day, I think she had the best – the best round of anybody so if she can put two rounds together i think i think she has a you know she has a pretty good shot and uh you know colby has a couple other solid players so if if starbuck plays really well and you know they get some other decent scores you know who knows they, they might be able to 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 challenge colgan but um you know one one quick dark horse candidate and and you know for the for the medalist uh uh, Amelia Bowles from uh, from uh, Atwood Rollins County. Uh, she was only three shots behind Starbuck at at uh, the regionals and and has several tournament wins. So uh, she could be somebody that yeah you, you kind of want to keep your eye on as well. That'll be the Class 3A state tournament at Heston Golf Course down in Heston, and Ricky will be at that one. Again, I'll be at Salina in Class 4A next week. Scott will be at 5A in Hutchinson, and Mac will be at 6A at Emporia. And so that's a little preview for both state golf and state tennis, our first uh, state championships that will be competed this year. Uh, we got gymnastics will be coming up soon. I believe it's the following weekend. Uh, the 21st is when state gymnastics is. Uh, so we'll touch on that 
in our next podcast uh, when we come back in two weeks and kind of recap state golf, state tennis, and state gymnastics and look ahead to some of the postseasons for others. We're going to just kind of stick with those two sports today, except we're going to deviate one more uh, talk a little bit about boys soccer because we've had some some tremendous performances here and it's kind of been a fun thing. Scott and I have been tracking going back and forth. Uh, the uh, state's all-time goals and points record both have been broken uh, this past this past week. Kansas City Christians Isaiah Morris uh, gets both of them. He uh, he gets the scoring record um, with for career goals and then gets the points record just this past week when he had uh, some more goals. But it's been a battle with Isaiah uh, Salina or not Salina May South is Beador Jeremel has been right there neck and neck. Those two were going back and forth, and I think actually Jeremel may have gotten to the record first, and then Morris beat him. Where it was it was kind of they were playing the same day and and. And they were going back and forth and seeing who's got it. And, and Scott, it's kind of been fun to watch these two who don't know, really don't know each other, don't know much about each other, and didn't even know the other one was right there in contention until we kind of brought it to their attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think Morris, if I remember right, he scored his four goals on a Monday that got him the record. Vitor came back and then had tied what, what had been the state record the next day. So, it, like you said, it's just been, uh, you know, you want to see who's going to be leading the all-time, you know, go to sleep, wake up the next day, and it might change. But, uh, uh, you know, Bay South, you know, Vitor Jeremel has been an outstanding – he's a, he's recognized – was recognized by USA Today as a National Player of the Year last year. Outstanding talent who's going to Clemson and, and really has helped make uh, – you know, really makes Bay South tick. You know, they they won the, the Class 5A title with an unbeaten record last year. Well, he's been he's approached this record as May South has kind of hit the meat of its schedule, and and uh, uh, he scored a couple goals I, I think against or scored, scored a goal against Andover Central uh, in a three nothing victory that got him to one hundred one and uh, which tied the tied the record at the time. Uh, but the the you know May South has been has probably had bigger fish to fry right now. That last week was uh, uh, you know they they suffered their first loss in thirty two matches. Derby got them three to two. Uh, down at Derby, outstanding match by the Panthers, and Derby really is one of the hot teams around the Wichita area right now. They've won eight straight, and in the last week knocked Newton and May South from from the ranks of the unbeaten. But but kind of back to Jeremel, he comes back uh, last Thursday, scores two big goals in a in a comeback win over Newton. Uh, May South was down two to nothing and and staring their second straight loss uh, in the face, and and uh, Jeremel scored a couple goals to get to 103 now. Uh, they, as May South rallied for a four to two victory, big win for them in Arc Valley Chisholm Trail Division One. So, uh, you know, as, as we move along, uh, you know, Jeremel kind of moves out of this really monstrous stretch of his schedule where where they play Derby and Newton back to back, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do. And and you know, he's he's certainly one of those guys who's capable of getting a hat trick or four goals or or five goals on a, on a night. And so it's going to be really interesting to see where those two end up here at the end of the year. Yeah, I think I actually do the math. I think Jeremel actually has 105 because he got two against Derby and then two more against Newton. So he's at 105, and then Morris got. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's been, and so I, I kind of made a point to okay, I've got to, I got to see who's doing what. And then Morris got a, uh, two against Tonganoxie on Saturday, and two more in an overtime win for for Casey Christian against uh, Bishop Ward on 
on Tuesday, and so he's at 110. So he's at 110. Jeremel's at 105, and and uh, they, but you know it'll be interesting to see where this all shakes out as we come down the stretch here. But you know both those teams having outstanding years. Uh, Casey Christian tied their first match of the year against Marine Academy, and then hasn't lost since. And along the way, picked off a big win and beating uh, Bishop Miege three nothing. And so uh, Casey Christian, a team that uh, definitely has a chance to contend for the class uh, four through one A state title this year, and May South defending five state champions and here's a quick clip of brent talking with morris about that goal record leader in kansas so what what does that mean to you that that all the, all the guys that have played soccer in Kansas, you're the guy that's got the most goals ever in state history. I mean, it's a really cool feeling. I mean, to work from freshman year to sophomore to senior year, I mean, it's a it's an honor and a privilege. You know, I couldn't do it without you know all the amazing coaching and teammates I've had, and you know, it's just it's a blessing. It really is. All glory to God. Yeah. What kind of player were you as a freshman? I mean, I was really <laughs> nervous as a freshman. I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, I was scared to go into high school. And, you know, once I kind of got my groove, I kind of figured out what kind of player I was and, you know, got gained a lot of confidence, and, you know, here I am. Yeah. Were you a big goal scorer throughout your youth, like coming into freshman year? Were you a guy uh, that always was, like, the main goal scorer on all your teams? Or I mean, when I was younger, I actually played defense. Okay. And then when I got older, kind of into middle school, I started playing offense, and then they were like, yeah, this guy can score. So, <laughs> you know, I kept playing there, and, you know, yeah. When you were playing defense, were you like, hey, coach, I, 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 I can score. I'm, I'm a pretty I'm a yeah. good finisher. Yeah, there was there was one game I I was playing center back and then uh-huh. I we were losing and then I told my coach to put me up top and we ended up winning. You know, so uh-huh. that's kind of where it all started. It started there. And yeah. you ever, did you ever go back to defense after no. that? No. Nope. <laughs> How many did. goals did you get in that game? You remember? Uh, I was like four. Four. Yeah. So that's where the legend began. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coming in as a freshman, was it just a, a feeling out process of what high school soccer was was going to be like? Because I imagine you played pretty competitive soccer yeah. before you got to high school. So was it just kind of feeling out what exactly high school soccer was all about? Yeah, I mean, it was just going from club to school. I mean, it was just kind of who I was playing with mm-hmm. and, you know, learning the new team, the play style, kind of that whole that whole thing, you know. Do you know how many goals you had as a freshman? I had 13 or 14. 13 or 14. Like and then sophomore year? I had 36. 36. And then yeah. last year? Uh, I think I had 33. 33. And now what are we at this year? I am don't know. I <laughs> think I'm close to 30. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what... What uh, what knack do you have for scoring? Why like why does that something that just is is your thing? I mean, I mean, I think I'm just an offensive minded player. Like mm-hmm. when I get the ball, I just have a drive to score. Like when I get the ball, my objective is to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, you know, when did you kind of feel like you had that knack? <laughs> I think it was going into middle school, yeah. I mean, you know, starting to play striker. I just like loved it. I mean, I fell in love with scoring. I mean, I just worked every day to, you know, become a better player and, you know, work to just become an absolute pure goal scorer. I mean, yeah. that's what I throw for. Are you, are you kind of hard on yourself? Cause I was down on that end and there were a couple opportunities where <laughs> yeah. you're like, man, what are you doing? I like yeah. talking to yourself. Like I just, I just blew another shot yeah. at, a, at a goal. Are you pretty hard on yourself yeah. when you get those opportunities yeah. and don't cash in? I mean, I try and 
for the most part, I try and, you know, keep myself accountable. Like, if I mess up, you know, I try and encourage myself. But there's sometimes, you know, it's just like you're just having a bad game. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself, but it's to motivate myself to keep working and keep getting my opportunities. Yeah, it seems like you're pretty unselfish, too, because I saw a couple opportunities where you kind of had to break away, but there was a teammate also, and you just made a nice little touch pass. I don't remember if they scored on all of them. But, you know, how, how much of that, too, is hey, I, I, I like to score and I want to score, but I also want to get my teammates involved so that, you know, when it when we go up against these tougher teams like me Asian stuff, you know, if I'm a marked man, these other guys, yeah. I have I have faith in them that they can do it too. I just, I really love to get the guys involved because, mm-hmm. you know, these other teams, if they know that one guy's just scoring, it's really easy to beat a team, you know, just shut one guy down and you win. I love to get the guys involved, you know, get them encouraged, get their confidence up. I just really love that. Yeah. How often do you hear, watch 11, watch 11? Oh my gosh, all the time. <laughs> it's like on repeat. Yeah, I know, all the time. <laughs> you know, you're, you're closing in on the record and then the kid from Mesa South Vitor uh, also right there with you. Yeah. How cool is that to have somebody else kind of chasing the same uh, same end goal as you do with that? It's real. It honestly is motivating. Like <laughs> I hear that, I'm like, I gotta get going. You know, like it's it's really cool. Like like props to him. Like that's a really cool thing. You know that we're both super close, and I I love that kind of race that's kind of going on. Do you know him at all? I mean, have you ever I, met him? No, I didn't know about it until like <laughs> halftime of the game I broke the record. That's when I found that out. Yeah. Do they have any kind of ceremony when you get broke it or any kind of stoppage or anything? Uh, they they stopped it. They they took the game ball out and they okay. gave me that and everyone stood up and clapped and, you know, after the game, lots of pictures, like congratulations, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You're also closing in on the points record too. And I think maybe right there. Uh, you got, I think I'm close. You had three goals and I don't know how many assists today, right? I had three and I think I had one assist. One assist. So, how, you know, I think you were like 11 points away yeah. going into the week. So how many goals did you have on Monday? Four? Uh, yeah. So any assists on Monday? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So we're right there. Like close, sometime yeah. next week probably. Yeah. You know, getting the goals record is one thing. Getting the points means that you're more than just a goal scorer. Does that one mean just as much if you, if and when you break that? Yeah, it's just as much as an honor, you know. Um, to be even, you know, close to that it would be like an absolute amazing feeling for me. But like the fact that I can get it and I, I will get it, I'm just like really, really excited about that. I mean, they're both amazing. Yeah. How, how much fun is it to get it in the in this season that you guys are having right now where, you know, you guys are on a roll. You got the big win against Miege last week. Uh, you know, you guys are, are having a really, really good season like, like you've had in, the, in recent years. But, you know, it, it looks like it could be a special season from a team standpoint as well as an individual. I mean, it's just it just makes it extra special, mm-hmm. you know, like working so hard every day as a team and growing closer and then, you know, having these cool accomplishments along the way, you know, Miege getting these records. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Yep. All right, man. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Thanks. Wanted to give a shout out to both Vitor and Isaiah for, you know, Taking an assault on the record book, it was Andrick McGill from McPherson that had the career goals record at 101, and then the points record belonged to Joe Lemon from Maranatha Academy. Uh, it was at 227, and now uh, now Isaiah is up to 231, I believe, is what his career point or career points are. So, a uh, shout out to those two soccer players, both outstanding players, and look forward to see how this battle to be the uh, scoring king in Kansas boys soccer uh, winds up by the end of the season. 
And then uh, before we go, um, we're going to we're gonna not touch on any other sports, but did want to touch on uh, coming up uh, here in the next few weeks will be uh, regional board of education meetings. Uh, Bill Faflick, the executive director from Keisha, is going to be going out to these different uh, regional board of education meetings, uh, talk to, to, talking to them and getting the pulse of some things that are going on, um, uh, potential upcoming changes that are going to be discussed, and uh, some pretty big stuff on the basketball menu that's uh it's being in some exploratory stuff. Uh, one of the one of the uh, questions going out is 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 it time for a shot clock in Kansas in basketball? And and right now the proposal is to maybe test it out in class six A and five A and see how that goes. And then if it works and and is something that the rest of the state's interested in, then maybe instituted in the in the classes four uh, A and below. But uh, so they're going to start gauging some interest to see if it, is it time for a shot clock. And and judging by my Twitter feed, sometimes I, I think it's it's past time uh, for a lot of people. Uh, they they believe that uh, that uh, there's definitely a need for for the shot clock um, in 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 high school basketball and so we'll see what the interest is there and then the other big topic uh, that's on the table for discussion is the changing the the way the postseason looks in class 3a 2a and class 1a you know currently class 6a has a seating process while those other classes are still in a in a more of a regional sub-state uh, type setup where teams are grouped regionally well one of the one of the topics being discussed is, is is changing that and kind of make it a little bit more in line with class 6a and 5a and 4A, um, those schools, those classes, the lower classes do have larger numbers in their classifications than the than 6A, 5A, and 4A. So instead of maybe going just a straight straight 18 east-west break, it'd be more of a four 16-team pods uh, where teams are grouped into 16 team regionals and then seated one through 16 within those regionals and the, the object of this obviously is to, to take some of these pockets where we have these great so many great programs really closely together uh, one, of, one of the areas for instance the Cheney substate the past few years in both boys and girls has just been like a like a mini state basketball tournament with so many good teams in those regionals and so the goal here is to maybe look at seeing do we want to kind of spread things out a little bit more and and hopes of maybe getting all the best teams at state uh, as we possibly can, rather than just the best teams from certain geographic regions. And so that's going to be on the on the top of the discussion. And and uh, Jeremy Holiday, one of our assistant directors, uh, talked a little bit with Bill Faflick about uh, about some of the issues and what he's what he's going out to do this week. And here's some here's some uh, some audio from Bill, Bill Faflick. Okay, welcome back to another edition of Inside the Walls at the Activity Association. And this time we have uh, Bill Faflick, our Executive Director of the High School Activity Association, join us. This is Jeremy Holliday. Um, we are going to run down uh, what we like to call our Fall Regional Administrator and Board of Education meetings. And uh, that is coming up next week and brought Bill in because he runs those meetings. And I want him to give a quick synopsis of what are those meetings, Bill, and what is the reason that we have them? 
Thank you, Jeremy, and uh, thanks for this opportunity. The regional meetings are very important meetings to the association. Uh, as we go out and we take the pulse of our membership, our member school leaders, uh, superintendents, principals, athletic directors who come together uh, at eight different locations across the state and talk about topics that have been introduced, and our board and our staff are interested in learning where do the schools stand on these very critical issues? So uh, we'll take that pulse and we'll bring that back and let our executive board uh, process through that information at an upcoming meeting. And it's a key point there. To, these aren't formal votes. They're more of, like you said, a pulse and uh, uh, of those in attendance and how they feel about things. Those will start October 16th. Okay, we'll make stops in Topeka, Salina, Oakley, Dodge City, the Blue Valley uh, Hilltop Learning Center in Overland Park, uh, May South High School, and Fort Scott. So a couple agenda items on there. There's, there's a lot of basketball items, Bill, and uh, I guess the first one on there is and a, kind of an update pulse on how we're feeling about shot clock. Well, I think that we have a mixed bag, and we're trying to discern what do we feel about the shot clock. First, is the game broken, and do 5A and 6A, which is this a proposal that only impacts those two classes, uh, would like to see the shot clock implemented uh, because they feel like it will improve the game. Um, but there's obviously some cost to that, and uh, uh, we want to discern what's the best path for those two classes and whether or not it's even feasible for our board to approve two classes to have the shot clock and uh, the other four to remain uh, without this shot clock. Yeah, anytime we have different rules for different classifications, it gets a little tricky. So that'll be a good discussion for our, our schools to talk about. Uh, the next thing on there that is a, certainly a hot topic amongst the other classifications in 3A, 2A, and 1A is just looking at something different for postseason uh, assignments and sub-state tournaments. You bet. There's been a lot of discussion in regards to the format and trying to make sure that we do our best to get the best teams to the state tournament, not necessarily the best team from each geographic area. So uh, with a little bit wider pool of schools, um, becomes possible to make that uh, occur so that you might be the second best team in the state right next to the first best team in the state and you would not eliminate each other uh, with this new protocol. Uh, it allows for some uh, spread of games uh, which will increase travel. Uh, it will also increase uh, the time that we need to prepare because we're not identifying sites in advance and uh, assigning officials in advance. So uh, there will be a calendar change uh, should this be implemented. Yeah, and then I guess the last thing with basketball to look at is similar to soccer that we have taken action on and football that we have taken action on is uh, consolidating our state championship venues, uh, more classes at one site for a championship. That certainly uh, we are excited about the football and the soccer proposals and even wrestling this year where we're going from three sites down to two sites. Uh, can we create a better atmosphere if we have multiple classes in one venue? We know as an association that's going to be uh, easier for us, but not easier, but also uh, it will be more efficient. We'll be able to be better uh, stewards of the resources that were allocated to, to operate the program. But is it best for our programs? Is it best to have seven different basketball venues or we can, can we cut that down to three or four and uh, put two or three classes together at one site? And last, the last thing we'll talk about, there are other, some, some other agenda items to look at in regards to volleyball, track and field, tennis, and golf. And we encourage people to get online and look at those, that agenda items. But the last thing is 
um, our summer coaching rules, and that has been a hot topic for a while now. You know, we've heard from member schools, we've heard from students on our student advisory team and, and other conversations throughout uh, the recent years about how much time kids are committing during the summer to practices for their volleyball team, their basketball team, their football team, and uh, how they're tired at the end of uh, the summer and instead of refreshed and invigorated and having time as kids. And we're also hearing from coaches that are tired and knowing that they have to keep up with their neighbors. Uh, they have to implement these programs or feel like they have to implement the programs that are always optional in the summer. Uh, they're permissible. That doesn't necessarily mean they're required. Uh, but we want to look at those rules and we have two proposals for our membership to consider one of those would identify a number of days uh, that would be allocated for our football and our basketball and our volleyball coaches to work with kids. Uh, the other would be a window of time uh, for those teams to have uh, time together. The month of June for basketball, the month of uh, July for volleyball and football, for those teams to have uh, focused time during those precise windows as opposed to all summer long. So uh, we're interested to hear what our membership thinks. We really thank the committee that came together to work on that under the direction of Mr. Lentz. They met several times and uh, came up with a couple proposals that are certainly worthy of consideration. We'll be interested to see what our membership thinks of those proposals. Yeah, I can't thank that committee enough. They did a good job and uh, some high-powered coaches on that committee and administrators, so certainly good thoughts uh, provided. So that'll do it for the second installment of Inside the Walls of the Activity Association. Uh, until next time. Again, that was Jeremy with Bill talking about the upcoming uh, regional board of education meetings. And so hope to see what the, what the feedback comes out of there. And, and uh, who knows, maybe uh, here pretty soon we could see a, a new uh, a new look uh, way for basketball state qualification uh, across all classes to make it a little bit more uniform uh, with, with the rest of the state. And so be interested to see what comes out of those. Um, so that that'll do it for this week. It was a lot to cover. Um, enjoy the state tennis and state golf tournaments coming up. Enjoy state gymnastics, which goes up uh, in, a, in a little over a week from now. And then we'll be turning our attention to postseason for cross-country volleyball and football uh, as well coming up soon, and boys soccer all coming up soon. And so thanks again for tuning in. Again, this is Brent Maycock with Ricky Peterson, Mac Moore, and Scott Pask for our Acacia Covered podcast brought to you by Capital Federal Savings and Loan. Thank you.